welcome to Church Alive. Our mission is to reach, teach, and empower people to impact their generation for Christ. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the message. Let's give them a shout of praise this morning. Come on. I want to pray real quick before we get started. Is that okay? Awesome. Father God, we commit this time to you. Holy Spirit, have your way. These are your people. You love them more than I do, Father God. I pray that you bless them coming in and coming out. I pray that the Word of God just penetrate their hearts and heal them in areas that are broken. You are the great Redeemer. You restore people. You bring them from death to life. Holy Spirit, speak to me completely that it be all of you and none of me. me. Lives be changed and transformed this morning. In your mighty name we pray, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So, I am Fernando Cuco, Discipleship Pastor. So if you're first time visiting, welcome home. If you're here, welcome home. Um, Want to give honor and thanks to Pastor Miriam and Pastor Anthony. Let's come. Real quick, I've uh, been coming to Church Alive, well, I was a good shepherd back then, eight years. And to be honest, I was like, there's a Portuguese Christian. I didn't even know they existed. So that was Pastor Miriam. And I was like, he's married to an Australian. That was even crazier. So I'm like, I'm just going to show up. But it's been awesome. Um, my wife and I would not be, and the church would not be where we are now if it wasn't for their, just their commitment to loving people and loving God. So again, let's give us a round of applause for them. And my message was at the end, and now it's in the beginning. The devil tried to take over my laptop. I'm rebuking Jesus' name. So it's good to be back home. I was away last week. I heard that Pastor Katie and Noelia did fantastic, right? And Steve, the week before, right? So we're wrapping up the staycation. I came up with that name. Just want to say that. You guys like it? No, I did not. I am not creative. And be honest, let me just set up the tone. I, my, my jokes are not good. So if you laugh at them, even if you don't like them, that would be awesome, right? So I was in Arizona, Scottsdale. Anybody visit Arizona? Yes, everybody. Nobody visit Arizona. Let me compare the heat. So there was 110 degrees. So you're like, oh my God, it's like, oh, yeah, right? The Sunday that I left, it was 96 degrees. Everybody remember the heat wave? And there was 110. I will compare the heat here to being in, in a frying pan, right? Because I can feel it coming out of the, the ground to being in front of a blow dryer in Arizona. That's why I have no hair. Yeah. I walked through the streets. I was like, ah. Yeah. Uh, so my wife and I have not had vacation this summer. So we did what I created this word, workcation, if there is such a thing. She met me out there. We had a great time. We sat at the Phoenician Resort. Beautiful resort. It's great when your company pays for everything. So thank you, Jesus, for that. Uh, I want to share a funny story. So they have a cactus garden, and my wife wanted to go. So as a good husband, I go, right? Um, and by the way, there are palm trees in Arizona. There's actually one, only one palm tree that, that survives there. I think it's a California palm tree. And the reason why it only needs 20% of water, right? Just a fun fact out there. Doesn't really mean anything. I just thought I'd throw it out there. Just back to the story. So. My wife hates snakes. They are from the enemy, right? The Garden of Eden. So she thinks he's in the garden. Get it? Garden, cactus garden, setting it up, right? So we, she, we're there. She's taking pictures. And all of a sudden, her, her voice lowers. And she's like, hey. I'm like, yeah. She's like, I want to stay very quiet. 
this is her. And I'm like just walking like this. And I love my wife. She is the better half of me. She is the better version. Let me just set this up, right? All the women and all the wives in the house said? Amen. And all the men said? Yes, right? <laughs> Let's get that ready. So she's whispering and going like this. I'm like, what are you doing? I don't, wanna, I don't want the rattlesnakes to hear me. And I go, hmm, they don't have ears. <laughs> just to let you know, they sense the vibration of your footsteps. And check this out. They taste you in the ear. I don't even know how that happens. So if you taste good, run. <laughs> run. And on the way back home on the flight, I read a, an in interesting article that's going to set the tone for this message. So I want to read it to you. And it's pretty cool. Um, it's a shoe manufacturer. I'm not going to mention the name, but from the United States. And they wanted to generate and expand their share of the international market. So they appointed a sales executive to travel abroad and make that project of expansion possible. It was an ambition dream, right? They sent him to a densely populated of Africa. Months went by in this venture, and they finally received an email to the headquarters. And the email said, please send me a return ticket home. This is Africa. Nowhere wear shoes. Right? So that's one perspective. A few years later, a new vice president, more ambitious, stumbled across the same idea. He's like, you know what? Let's try it again. So again, they sent a new salesperson, that old salesperson not going to do well, to travel to the same location and nation. Several months had passed. An email was received at the head of office to the executive sales. However, this time it was different. It was not a request to come back home. Instead, the email said, please send me as many shoes as possible. Africa is a gold mine. No one wears shoes. Yeah. Same instance, both instances, right? Same example. Two different salespeople accounted the exact same situation. Their first one, who was not going to get a promotion, saw an obstacle impossibility to an amb ambitious expansion. The next salesman, who was probably going to move up the company, saw limitless and endless opportunities. So it was all based on the perspective. And the title of my message today, and if you're taking notes, and I said this to the first service, I will judge you. I will be back there seeing. Just kidding, guys. Um, it's called Perspectives. Um, and basically, this was all based on the perspective of where they looked at it, yeah. right? Everyone was led to their interpretation of their own limitations or expectations. Yeah. So the first point is what we perceive, we conceive. And in many instances, this becomes the reality that rules, rules our lives. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very important to have the right perception of things, like the glass half empty or half full, right? So I want to give you a little bit of definition of what perspective is. You take your notes? Yeah. Everybody's tracking? Yeah. Women? Men? Yeah? Yeah. An attitude toward a way of regarding something. You don't have to write all these points. Just pick one. A point of view, a standpoint, a position, an attitude. By the way, attitude determines altitude. So let's have one of looking up at God. A frame of mind, frame of reference, an approach. All that leads to the interpretation of what you see. And the funny thing is God's perspective is not always as straightforward, right? God's ways are higher than our ways. In Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, it should be on the screen. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declared the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And today I want to look through the perspective in the lens of the Apostle Peter. And the reason why I want to speak about the disciples is that we think they were supernatural, that they had some special gift, that they um, got, you know, 
uh, chosen because they had great ability and gifts. They were just ordinary people. God put their super, put his super in their natural. And a lot of ways they're the same as us. In fact, first century Christians were heavily persecuted. So it was a lot harder for them. So let me give you a little bit of a background of the apostle Peter. Everybody tracking? This headset has a mind of its own. If you see me doing that, just pray for me that it stays in my face. Amen. 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 That's funny. Flashback. There you go. And that always works. By the way, I am as dry as a desert heat with my jokes. That's why if you help me preach this, it would be awesome. And my wife would thank you. Quick, quick joke. My wife said she would never marry a sarcastic person. And here we are, 10 years later. That's all Jesus. That's not me. And I married up, not down. Amen? Amen. So, Scripture says he's Jewish by faith. He's a fisherman by trade. He was married. And he was strong-tempered and uh, stubborn, much like myself. Once he had an encounter with Jesus, he became a fisher of man when he made a decision to walk with Christ. He walked with Jesus for three years, was a part, was a part of the 12, first chosen 12, right? Constant companion and saw all the miracles that Jesus did on earth. And I want us to focus on three viewpoints or perspective of Apostle Peter's life that shaped him to be such a powerful vessel and how that can shape us to do the same thing. So this is the meat and potatoes. If there is, you guys like meat and potatoes? Yes, yes all right, almost all of you. Any, any vegans? Yes, I love you too. Don't worry, I'm not going to say anything. I like vegetables. I have salad with my grilled chicken. Yeah. That really wasn't a good joke, but thank you. All right. So the first perspective, taking notes. Preparation. This is where God shows us the impossible. So after he becomes a follower of Christ, he's the first one to call Jesus the Christ. So to set up the context of what's happening, the disciples have... Uh, decided to follow Jesus, and they're hanging out, and they're asking Jesus, who do people say I am? So nobody knows really that he is Jesus the Christ. And in Matthew 16, 15 through 16, it says, after he asks everybody, he goes, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So Peter's off to a great start, right? No education, fisherman, stubborn, that means that God speaks to anybody. He doesn't care about ability. He cares about availability. Even a stubborn person, God doesn't care about, you know, he uses anybody, anywhere, anytime, any place, right? And Christ means anointed one. So there can be a lot of Jesuses, but only one Jesus, the Christ. Savior, Redeemer, right? So right off, if I'm Peter, I'm feeling good. Hey, I, I'm, I'm Jesus' best buddy. I called you Jesus the Christ. So right away, first miracle. Second miracle, and it's, one of the most um, famous ones that we know is he walks on water. And this is in Matthew 14, 25 to 30. So shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come. Jesus is like, just come. No, I'm not going to take you to Starbucks first. No, I'm not taking you to dinner. Just come. Straightforward, right? He said, then Peter got out of the boat, walked on water, came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, beginning to sink, cried out. And he said, Lord, save me. 
The thing is, as powerful as a miracle was, Peter's faith and trust in Jesus was as miraculous as a miracle itself. Yeah. A lot of times what happens is we focus on the miracle instead of the miracle maker, yeah. right? And this tends us to believe that we can do things in our own strength. Yeah. It's very important to understand that this part of the preparation of Jesus in, in Peter's walk is God is showing him miracles. He's showing the power of the impossibility, right? And Peter, like, it's funny, we, we, we know this passage of Scripture because he walks on water. We don't know because Jesus called him. See, Peter didn't walk on water on his way to Jesus. He first, first focused on Jesus, and he just happened to walk on water. And, you know, the Romans, one, uh, Romans chapter 1 says, sometimes we, wor we uh, worship the creation instead of the creator. Yeah. And this, um, you know, Steve preached a couple weeks ago, you know, creates a hard heart. That's pride. So right now, Peter is kind of leaning towards that way. He's like, you know, I walked on water. You know, it's like me. If I walk off the stage, I'm not going to walk off the stage, guys. I'm like, hurt my knees, right? And like, I'm walking on air. It's not that. It's the miracle. It's not that. The miracle is the belief in Jesus that I can do the impossible. All right? So are you tracking? You're giving me. All right. So that leads to the second perspective, which is positioning. Encouragement through discouragement. That's like backwards. This is where we learn how to fail. Very important. Out of the, the whole message, I think this is the most important. So a little bit of a context. We know that Peter denies Jesus three times, right? After he said he wouldn't. He said, I would die for you. I would, I would go to prison for you. And Jesus like, no, you're still going to deny me, right? So we know that he fell miserably. And I want to set up, like, before that happens, there's a part where G Peter actually rebukes Jesus. It's never a good idea to tell God that you know more to him. Yeah. Just saying, he's omnipotent, omnipotent. He knows all things. He, he's done everything, right? Yeah. And then Jesus speaks to him and says, get behind me, Satan. So we think he's speaking to Peter, saying, you know, Peter, he's calling Peter Satan. It's not a good day when Jesus tells you, get behind me, Satan. I'm just saying, I might go home. Cry. I'm like, oh my God, Jesus called me the devil. It's not good. So this is, um, this is not going to be on the screen, but I'm going to read this passage of scripture and it kind of sets up the tone. Ready? Yeah. So it's in Matthew 16, 20, verse 22. It says, Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he, said, he turned and he said to Peter, Get behind me, saying, You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of things of men. Yeah. So he goes from asking God, tell me to walk on water, or Jesus, right? To telling Jesus, hey, you're not going to go to the cross. How did that happen? Pride. He focused on the miracles instead of the miracle maker in the first part. The preparation was all to show God's, um, God's power through the impossibility. And Peter right away starts to think, oh, I walked on water. I called him to Christ. So when Jesus shows up, it's like, yeah, I'm going to die and all this stuff. And Peter's like, no, uh, you're not going to do that. And then Jesus does this. This is how he replies. It's pretty, pretty powerful. It's in Luke 21, 22, verse 31 and 34. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, Peter, Peter, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, which literally means take you out. But check this out. But I have prayed for you. This is Jesus. I have prayed for you, church alive. Do you know that Jesus in John uh, chapter 17, 17 prayed for you guys? Prayed for me? 
2,000 years ago, he, he prays that through the disciples' words that we will get to know him. That your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, so Jesus is telling him why he said, get behind me, Satan. And he says, I'm going to pray that your faith, you may lose, you may stumble, but it will not fail. And when you come back, strengthen my brethren. And this is Peter's reply. Again, he goes this and says this, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Didn't you just get the part that I know more than you and you're still telling me what to do? Then he said, and then, he, and then Jesus says this, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. So here we have, again, the context. He goes from asking Jesus, focusing on him, right perspective, that he can walk on water. So right there, a little bit of pride kicks in to telling Jesus what to do. Jesus is calling. He's telling God, the Son of God, I'm going to tell you what to do. A lot of times in our life, how many of you have done this? Nobody. Everybody's perfect in here today. All right. I'm putting my feet up, right? How many times have we, uh, I mentioned this in the first service, like women or men, you know, you date a person who doesn't know Christ and you think, oh, I'm going to bring him to Jesus. No, that's the Holy Spirit's job. Yeah. Jesus already did the hard part. He's the one that died for them on the cross, yeah. right? You can invite them, but you're, you're, you're giving your walk and you're giving your heart to somebody who doesn't know that person yet. And that doesn't mean that that person can't come to Christ, but that is not your job. Yeah. That's the Holy Spirit's job, right? So, and this is the response afterwards of Peter. So, again, he asks, he tells, Jesus prays uh, for him, and then he tells him you're going to deny him, and then it comes to pass. It's in Luke 22, 60 to 62, and this is the third time he denies him. Peter said, man, I do not know what you're talking about. So somebody came up to him and said, aren't you one of the followers? So he's responding, saying, no, I'm not. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. So if I'm Peter, I feel destroyed. How am I supposed to be encouraged to this discouragement? Right? How am I supposed to feel good? In fact, I even told Jesus that this wouldn't happen. And then he stills happened. And Jesus in front of me tells me, well, I pray for you that you're not going to fail. Right? So one perspective, we see Peter's failure. Another perspective, we see Jesus prayed for him. Why was it that Satan decided to sift Peter as wheat at that specific moment? Why was it? Why didn't he do it for all? If you read, if you read Scripture, there's nothing mentioned in the Bible that Satan attacks him at all. There's nothing before he comes to Christ. Nothing happens. Same thing happened to Jesus. 30 years of his life while he's walking on earth, nothing is mentioned. Nothing. And all of a sudden when he's led to the wilderness, all hell breaks loose. The devil goes on offensive. The reason being, before he's led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, he is baptized by John the Baptist, right? And we read in Scripture that the heavens open and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. And then a voice from heaven comes and says, this is my beloved son and on whom I'm well pleased. Once his identity is revealed, and understand this, the devil is not all-knowing. He doesn't know everything about you guys. God is all-knowing, right? So once the identity is revealed, the devil goes on the offensive. And look at what he does. The first thing he attacks is his identity. He goes, if you're the son of God, if you're a child of God, 
if you have the power of the Holy Spirit, tell this the stone to turn into bread. Jesus says, doesn't say, I am Jesus. He quotes scripture. See, once the devil knows who you are, he'll try to take you out. If he can make you doubt that you have power and authority over him. Come on, church. Power and authority over the devil. If he can make you doubt that you are a child of God, that you have been forgiven of your past, that you have been forgiven of your sin, that you have limitless grace and love and mercy at your disposal through the power of God, he can stop you from filling your calling. I'm here to tell you today, you have, if you are a child of God, if you know Jesus Christ, you have power and authority. We live above our, um, our circumstances, right? If you don't know Christ, we'll give the opportunity later, but if you do, you have power and authority. And this is why it's so important to take correction well. So sometimes we take correction um, and we see uh, failure as a sign of weakness, but God is refining us to make us his perfect vessel to make Christ known, right? I, I can, uh, I made this up, but hopefully, hopefully it's funny. I think it's funny. Um, but yeah, like I'm not even telling the jokes. You guys are awesome. I love you guys already. Making me feel good. Um, so I think correction is like hot sauce. So how many people like hot sauce? All right. So there's hot sauce that I, it's called pain thinner. I read it and it literally takes the skin off your tongue. Yeah. And then it makes you run to the bathroom. Yeah. That's not a good feeling, right? So we have back correction like that, and then we have good correction. It stings, but it makes the food taste good. Yeah. Yeah. And then your digestion is better. You're not running to the bathroom. So understand this. A lot of us who have walked in, and served in church, uh, Pastor Katie, Steve, uh, Andrew, Vanessa, Noelia, Anna, and myself especially, I think I've been corrected the most. We don't like it when we get corrected. People are not laughing. <laughs> Like, it's never be like, yes, please, please correct me, please, yes, I love you. No, we're like, okay. And the way it comes, you know, everybody heard of the sandwich? Yeah. Yeah. I don't like carbs that much, so I don't really just give me the meat. And they're like, and I'm like, okay, what do you got for me? Because they're like talking about the weather and this and that. At the end, right before I leave, I'm like, by the way, you did this wrong. I'm like, wow. But <laughs> they're like, you're like, it's, it's great. The conversation is great, right? We know what we're talking about, right? And then all of a sudden, yeah, do this. And you're like, and then you leave the meeting, and you're like, was that a good meeting or bad? <laughs> so you leave discouraged. Be encouraged, church. God is refining you. Be encouraged. God is sharpening you. Be encouraged. God is trying to take Satan out of you. The thing is, sometimes we think we're ready to serve at a new level, but every new level is a new devil, and God wants to take that out of you. So take correction well. This is so important. And let me just say one thing. Don't, don't just go to somebody and correct them. Yeah. Earn the right to speak into their lives. Earn the right to, to, to pray for them. You know, just because you've been following God doesn't mean that you're the one to speak to them. Yeah. Don't be like, oh my God, you're doing this wrong. Really? Who are you? Yeah. Right? Uh, correction is edification, is building up of that person. Yeah. Obviously, you're going to talk about great things, but then you're going to help them and guide them, right? So it's very important that we take this part well. Because yeah. this part is when people get stuck, right? But we know that Christ is a restorer of people, right? He doesn't leave us broken and alone, right? Yeah. And this is the third perspective called purpose. Empowerment through forgiveness. 
This is where God does the impossible through us. Is everybody tracking? Yeah. Yeah? Women, men and women? Yeah? Yes. By the way, you like my shoes? Yeah. I, yeah, well, I was told this morning that I'm more relatable all of a sudden. Before I wasn't. <laughs> I have spiritual daughters here, and they're like to try to be funny with me. It's like, yeah, you're more relatable today. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Nobody's laughing. Everybody, there you go. Anyway. So this is the part where Jesus restores Peter. So he doesn't leave him broken. And this next passage is the fulfillment of the prayer that he prayed over him in, in Luke. So this is John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. So, when, so basically what happened in this context, uh, Jesus has resurrected. He's risen from the dead. We serve a living God, right? Remember that. We serve a living God. And... They're fishing, and the apostle John says, hey, there's Jesus, and Peter runs to him like a, a, a child running to the father. And obviously Jesus is, not obviously, but he just decides that day to cook him breakfast. I think he's making grilled chicken, low-carb bread. Nobody got that one. I like grilled chicken. I like low-carb bread. <laughs> so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to him, Simon Peter, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. So feed my sheep, take care of them, protect them. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. Wow. All of a sudden, he knows all things. He goes from telling him to knowing all things, right? You see what forgiveness does? It empowers you. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. What's so powerful is the amount of times he denies him, he forgives him. And right there, what was his prison becomes his platform, right? The sin that held him back, the discouragement, now he's empowered, now he's encouraged. This starts the process to position Peter to be empowered to become one of the most powerful apostles in which the church is built on. At this point, Peter understood that what he was called to be. Through the whole process, God was preparing him for something greater. Once Peter understood God's perspective, viewpoint, he could do the impossible. And let me tell you about the Christian walk. How many people believe that Christian walk is impossible? Nobody, everybody thinks it's easy. Well, do you know why it's impossible? It's not hard. Jesus did the hard part already. He paid the power and penalty of sin. It's impossible because God wants to do the impossible through us. Those are miracles. Because if we do, the, if we, do we get the glory. But if God does it, He gets the glory. And it's all about Jesus, right? In Acts 1.8, this is when the Holy Spirit comes upon Peter. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And this is the main point. Peter was on the right path, but he had the wrong perspective called self. He was focusing too much in himself. He started out great, but then he focused on the miracle instead of the miracle maker. That got him off track. So what Jesus was doing is removing all that. Because Jesus cannot work through us unless we die to ourselves completely. Understand that. That's very important. You gain everything and lose nothing. 
The Apostle Paul says, I consider what I had before gain. Apostle Paul was one of the astute uh, Sanhedrins or Pharisees at that time. And he was a Roman citizen, so he had it all. And when he met Jesus on that road, he says, I, what I had is a gain. I lost it. What I have now is so much more powerful, right? Once Peter learned this simple fact, he lets God's positioning system, GPS, Holy Spirit redirect him and empower Peter to preach a three-hour sermon. Where do you get the material for that? It's not recorded in scripture. It's like, it looks like three minutes. Where do you think you got the material? Walking with Jesus, being discouraged, and then being forgiven, and then being empowered, and then being filled with unlimited grace, mercy, and love. Man, when you mess up as big as Peter did, understand this, he denied Jesus in front of his face. When he told Jesus, I'm ready to die for you. I'm ready to go to prison. And he, I mean, and what did Jesus do? Forgives him. Simple. You know how? Surrender. Right? 3,000 people get saved. Not through Peter. Peter's not the miracle. The miracle is his forgiveness. The miracle is his empowerment. The miracle is what Jesus did on the cross. Right? The miracle is Jesus risen from the dead. 3,000 people. He took a nobody to tell everybody about somebody. And that person is Jesus. Understand that. He took a nobody to tell everybody about somebody. And that person is Jesus. Are you guys receiving it? Yeah, yeah awesome. This is the birth of the church that we know today. We are an offspring of that. Understand, it's, I mean, I'm trying to, if I could just give you my heart, I will to, to make you feel what I feel right now. When I was writing this message, the magnitude of God taking somebody simple, simple. You might probably smell like fish every day. This was probably what his wife said. Oh my God, my jokes are really bad today. <laughs> oh. It always works back. I do the joke, nobody laughs. And then when I said everybody, nobody laughs. Hey, whatever works, right? You can be that Peter. Man or woman. I don't know if there's a female name for Peter. You can be that. It doesn't have to be 3,000 people. It can be one person. It starts with you. It starts with you. God has forgiven you. God has paid the price already. He has freed you from your sin. Understand that when we are in sin, right? Because the Bible says it, we don't have the power of choice. Have you ever tried to kind of work yourself out of sin? How's that working for you? Oh, I've done it. Failed miserably. You don't, because you, you're, 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 you don't have the power to pay it. But once we give our life to Christ, we're given the power of choice. And now we can choose not to sin by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. Doesn't mean you're going to have a perfect life. I like when people are like saying, we're not perfect. Well, that's obvious. Thank you, Captain Obvious, right? Let's focus on what we can do and not what we should be, right? There's only one perfect God. He sent his perfect son to die a gruesome death that we may have a great life, right? In a moment, I'm going to give the opportunity to pray for people to either come back to Christ or accept the free gift of, of grace and forgiveness. And I want to share a story of uh, one of the men of our Transform. How many of us are, are part of our Transform groups? Yeah, come on. 
you know, the, the men, I'm sorry, ladies, but just pass around the, the men started it. Of course, oh, nobody liked that one. Uh, we, we, we took a leap of faith. Look, what the women did, I'm gonna give praise to the women because what the women did in two seasons, it took us seven seasons. I'm just being honest. I mean, Andrew was there, we're like, when we started, we had like 15 guys. I'm like, wow. And Pastor Anthony's vision, I mean, was tremendous. The women, I think we had over 100 the first season and 100 again. We have Pastor Katie and Vanessa that lead it here. Let's give them a round of applause for that. If you are not a part of that, you need to be about that. We also have freedom and finance. This is where we help people win in life through the person of Jesus, right? So I've had the honor of doing life with this person. And, uh, you know, he's given most of his life to drugs and alcohol, surrendered, one simple act, right? And he comes to church, starts serving in our, in our, in our ministries and dream teams and comes to transform groups. And then uh, in the middle of his journey, like the Apostle Peter, he gets corrected. I mean, we were talking at one time and he went gangster on me. I'm like telling him, get behind me, Satan. You know, come on, guys, that's supposed to be funnier. It's all right. And you know, he, he receives it well. That's what I love about this, this man's heart. It is so teachable. Like you can tell when somebody's been touched by grace. If you talk to him about grace, tears come out of it. I love his heart. To me, it's an honor. To me, when I see him, my faith goes through the roof. So he, he's walking and now he's even uh, doing more in the church. He actually uh, ministers to the men before Transform Group, to the men that uh, have addiction through alcohol or any type of addiction. And I called him the other day, I think the Holy Spirit uh, led me to call him and he shared with me something that happened recently. See, five years ago, he would have to fight for custody of his son because he was fighting his own strength. Once he gives his life to Christ and he walks with him, he takes correction well, right? Recently, the state asked him if he wanted custody of his son. Come on, if that's not the power of God, Come on, come on, if you love Jesus, come on. You can do that to anybody, anytime, any part of the day. You can take somebody off the street right now and bring them on stage. I'm not saying it's gonna happen, all right? I wanna focus on this part of the message because to me and all of us at church, this is it. The gospel, in essence, is Jesus exchanging his eternal life for your temporary. He's done all the hard work. He's paid the price and penalty of sin. You don't have to do anything. My wife has something that I think she should patent, and a lot of people have heard me say, don't make simple hard. I love that saying. Thank God my wife is smarter than me. Don't make simple hard. It's a gift. I did this in the first service. So let's say my phone is salvation, right? Please don't come on stage and take it, right? And you don't pray something, it's already been done, right? You just confess, you know, the, the word says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's just um, saying yes to what has been done. If this is salvation, all you have to do is take it. That's it. Simple. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to 
follow Jesus all your life. You can just have that moment in your heart. Just open your heart to Jesus. You know, when I was writing this message, I felt him telling him, if they only knew how much I love them, how much I've prayed for them, if they would just give me everything, I would do anything for them. If they just open their heart, open your heart. Have a mustard seed of faith. Mustard seed is this tiny. It's like the hair in my head. Can't see it. Oh, that one's good. Everybody likes that one. <laughs> I've become more aerodynamic. So, <laughs> I mean, you're, you're one step away from the best life. You know, Pastor Katie uh, preached about four lies, and she said, one lie is life is not going to be hard. It's not going to be easy, but God is always with you. And then we have it all together. Hello. Look at Peter. We definitely don't have it all together. We have a God that put it all together because of that we get to do life all together. And then Noelia spoke about how to stay close. Well, it starts with this first step. Steve spoke about having a hard heart. Don't let your hard heart prevent you for accepting the free gift of grace. It's free. Your past can be your platform. You either have a choice to make that your prison or your future. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And in a count of three, I want you to raise your hand if you want to make that decision to open your heart and let Jesus in. Or if you're running back to the Father, like Peter did, at the count of three, just raise your hand high, and then I'm going to pray in your behalf. One, Jesus loves you. He died for you. Two, he's ready to come into your heart. Three, raise your hand if you made that decision. I see that hand. I see that hand. Keep, keep it up. So I can see, see that hand. I see that hand. See that hand. It's so good. See that hand. I see that hand. See that hand. Awesome. Awesome. I see that hand. That's so good. You can put your hand down. Father God, I pray for the, these people, Father God, that have surrendered their heart to you. Thank you, Lord, that their sins have been forgiven, Lord. Your word says, whoever is in Christ is a new creation. All things have gone. Behold, all things are new. Thank you, Lord, for a great future. Today is a new day. Happy birthday to them. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you want to hear more empowering messages and learn more about Church Alive, make sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at churchalive.tv. We hope to see you this weekend. Have a great week.